Hello, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of Trippy Kid Radio. I'm your host, Roy Turner. Uh, this week, we're going to be honoring uh, the late, great Chris Cornell, uh, who sadly that we lost last week. Uh, it's surreal and, and unacceptable to even have to even to say that. Um, so it's it's was so sudden, and, and I guess as you all know, we're all so very shocked and kind of at a loss for words. But we're going to do our best this week to try to heal together. Um, one disclaimer that you're going to hear me say here and, and probably several times throughout the program this week is that uh, we're not interested in sensationalizing anything. We're not going to be gross about what has happened. We're not going to try to pontificate upon uh, you know, uh, how and why. Uh, all we know is, is that Chris Cornell is gone and we need some comfort and so we're going to do our best to honor uh, the life and legacy of Chris Cornell this week. And we're going to be speaking, uh, we're going to be playing a lot of great music. We're going to be speaking to some, some fans uh, that were actually at the show in Detroit. Uh, and they're going to come on and, and uh, very generously going to be sharing some of their stories and their history uh, with the band, as a fan, and uh, with Chris Cornell as well, and, um, obviously specifically. So I invite you. Uh, to join us. We're going to play some great music. We're going to tell some great stories. Uh, we're going to try to make some kind of sense of this because, again, it's just, it's bizarre and, and unnecessary and surreal to think that this person that was still, uh, of course, very young and very active. Um, and it, this is something, it seems to be a, a trend that just keeps happening. Uh, so it's going to be forever one of those things where you're going to remember, like, you know, where you were and who told you. When you'd heard about the passing of Chris Cornell, so uh, another thing I, I want to disclaim is that you know we're—I'm not interested in any sort of lazy tribute. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Like, for example, like I, I get it that like when people pay tribute, they have to play a song that that, that people know. Or just, you know, when Ann Wilson, uh, who was on—I forget what late night show—she did a great version of Black Hole Sun. I mean, she's not going to get up there and be doing, you know, you know. B-sides uh, from, you know, uh, Center Control from Disease or whatever the first band Cornell was in. I mean, I, I get that. But it's kind of like when Prince passed away, which is also equally just unacceptable, is that he, uh, it seemed like that he only had like one song according to the tributes, you know, so everybody was, you know, covering Purple Rain and all that. And so, you know, this is going to be an alternative to that. I mean, I understand, you know, any, any tribute is, is appreciated and, and I'm sure heartfelt and wonderful. But we're going to do, take a little different take on it, uh, play you some different songs, maybe some songs you actually never have ever heard before or some that you haven't heard in a while and, and kind of get them back into rotation for you there to uh, just be able to experience just what an incredible singer and performer and just... I mean, the guy's voice itself was an instrument. Uh, so, you know, so we're gonna we're gonna be doing that, and I said, in in and uh, in, in, you know, telling some more stories and my own personal one. And like I said, the last thing I wanted to say was, you know, like when you're on Facebook and something happens, and, and it seems to be this real lazy thing of sending thoughts and prayers. Like, doesn't that doesn't that annoy you? Doesn't that annoy the, the crap out of you to to think that? That's all you're going to do is you're going to just simply type thoughts and prayers. And some people just can't even really do that. 
we're actually going to do something here. We're going to come together. We're going to unite. And I wanted, and, and something else that I'll, I'll be doing throughout the show as well is also helping others. So uh, we, we all know that it has been ruled as suicide. Uh, some doubt that. I have to admit that I'm one of them. But again, we're not here to, to decide that. We're not here to get sensationalized, but of course we are still left with questions and, and that's, that's okay too. Uh, but right now, and a number I want to uh, give, and I'll be giving it out a lot, is the National Suicide Prevention uh, uh, Hotline. It's open 24 hours a day. So if you or anybody out there that you know is, is suffering or is in need of help, please call this number. It's 1-800-273-8255. Again, it's one 800 273 8255, and I'll be giving that number out um, quite a bit throughout uh, the course of the show. And so one thing I wanted to talk about uh, for me uh, personally, like I said, was I'm a lifelong Soundgarden fan, a fan of Chris Cornell. I was just talking about how I've been listening to, to him, and he's, his voice has been a constant in my life since I, you know, I was a teenager. I was fortunate enough to have been at that perfect age uh, in the early '90s when, um, you know, when what they call grunge or whatever uh, was becoming its, you know, coming into its own there. So, like in 1991, when all those great records like Nirvana's Nevermind and, of course, Soundgarden's Bad Motor Finger, uh, Pearl Jam's Ten, and you know, and uh, great stuff from Alice in Chains and Mudhoney and all that, you know, I was. Uh, I think it was pretty at middle school. So that was, you know, I was the perfect demographic. It was a new decade. Uh, you know, we had a, a new president and it was, uh, you know, it was, it was a, it was a good time. And so this was such a great soundtrack. Uh, the first, I think at the very first time I ever heard Chris Cornell's voice, I think it was from the song hands all over, which is from the, uh, the album before bad motor finger, um, the, the album called loud, uh, louder than love, which is still, you know, you never forget your first, which is always will always be my favorite Soundgarden record. And there's a great club. Uh, we're doing the show here, of course, from from where I'm from here in Dallas, Texas. And there's a famous club. Uh, speaking of Nirvana, if you aren't from Dallas or have never been here, there's a very well-known club called Trees, which is in a neighborhood called Deep Ellum, which is kind of like the old Sunset Strip. And in early '91, uh, Nirvana had played here uh, at that club, and there's a famous video that you've seen of him getting in a fight with a with a with a local bouncer. Uh, well I went to see Soundgarden actually there. Uh, a friend of mine took me and uh, and it was transformative of course to say the least to see these guys that were so young and so good and, 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 and so so unique and so kind of different. Uh, I believe that Lollapalooza uh, the first one uh, was was going down I believe that summer and then by uh, and then around that time, they were starting to blow up. And then, of course, when they dropped, you know, Bad Motor Finger, uh, suddenly you were seeing uh, them all over TV and, and becoming actual like, real stars on the strength of uh, you know, the two singles, of course, Outshined uh, and Rusty Cage. Of course, it was insanely later covered by by Johnny Cash, if you can believe that. So uh, that's just the kind of the, the beginning um, for me. I think I think really. Uh, the height of all of that, when I think about that time, was 
Soundgarden had just come out with Bad Motor Finger, and they'd come to Dallas to uh, the old Bronco Bowl. And just to give you an idea of how long ago this was, Pearl Jam opened, and so did Monster Magnet and Swerve Driver. And me and my friend Steve uh, were, of course, very young and very excited and, and went. And again, it was just one of those things that we still talk about, uh, you know, to this day, one of those, one of those, one of those great nights, one of those great moments. And so I'm forever grateful to Cornell uh, and, of course, Sam Garden. Um, and just being the voice of that, just being the voice of just something that, that I personally cherish that never went away. I mean, through every incarnation, he just always seemed to get better. And, uh, and still at, at the top of his game, I mean, Soundgarden were supposed to be coming to Dallas actually uh, in two days from now. And, of course, we had tickets and been looking forward to the show for months. Um, and so the whole thing is just we're just trying to regroup here. Uh, because it all still, of course, seems so, you know, impossibly uh, surreal and, and, you know, and not real at all. So I wanted to get to some music here. Um, so starting with from the Louder Than Love record, um, there is so many great songs on this, but the song that I'm going to play for you is the song Gun, uh, where I hope that doesn't sound insensitive, uh, but it means a lot to me personally. Uh, there's a great line in there where he says, I got an idea that we can do it all on our own, which completely spoke to, uh, you know, guy who responds to to a very DIY sensibility and there always kind of seemed to be that with with him and, and them no matter how, how how big they got it always kind of seemed to be this very self-sufficient uh, type kind of thing that was very inspiring so uh, the first song we're going to play uh, is going to be the song Gun from Louder Than Love uh, on Tricky Kid Radio.
Soundgarden. Certainly, it really captures uh, a great time for me and, and a great introduction for me to, to this great singer, to this great band. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention was that it, it was more than just around that time. It was more than just, you know, a band. It was an identity. It was a movement. It was this thing, you know. It was, you know, you can just kind of feel it. I mean, you've, you know, people that weren't there, uh, you've heard so much about this, you know, later on about how it was this really changing of the guard kind of thing. And I was certainly not somebody that was ready or going to abandon, you know, it's kind of like to say that, you know, the Nirvana and Grunge killed all the, the crappy air metal bands from the 80s. Now, yeah, I still love those guys too, man. Uh, Motley and, and Rat and all that. But uh, but it was still something that was, you know, new and very exciting. And, and this kind of new, a new way of thinking, like new media. Uh, and one, a great example of that was Cameron Crowe came out with a movie in 1992. And that was the year that I turned 18. Uh, so it was my senior year of high school. Uh, called Singles, and uh, a movie that has actually held up quite well, believe it or not. Anytime there's a you know a movie or any piece of art or 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 anything that's so specific to one one period that it can seem almost dated, just a, a very few short years later. And for, you know there are definitely some silliness, you know, you know when you see it and look back on it. I had seen it for in a while, but I think I caught it a couple of years ago. Uh, this is something me and my first girlfriend, Kelly, uh, really bonded over was our love for this movie. And it was great because it was it really introduced, again, it kind of put these people on the world stage. Certainly they weren't this, this kind of neat kind of niche cult band. They were in a, a major motion picture. Cornell famously makes this cameo where he just kind of walks in and kind of nods. Uh, so his contribution may not have been that great for the film, but for the film's soundtrack is a whole different story. Uh, to this day, one of my favorite, favorite songs, one of my favorite things that he ever did uh, was from the sequel soundtrack, which is a song called Seasons. And I'm going to be playing that here in one second. If you've never seen singles, check it out. Like I said, if you were, if you're a millennial and you were born in 2005, you know, or, or even, you know, maybe even 95, it may not have the same Obviously, it's not going to have the same impact that it had on people that were, you know, you know, very young at that in 1992 when it came out. But it's got some value, man. It's it's very cool. Um, it's something that I still, you know, I look back on because it's just, you know, I, I remember watching that movie and feeling very smart and, and these people seem very intelligent and and I know Cameron Crowe can be you know, very very Capra esque with his sentimentality and all that and and so. That part hasn't really aged very well, but it's still just a great capsule uh, that of, of such a great, great time that uh, it's, you know, given the times that we're currently living in, it, it, it makes it seem even further away. But I'm going to, uh, I want to pledge one play of this song uh, here in one second. And then uh, before, um, and right after that, we're going to uh, talk about a few other different things and we're going to talk about some of our, our great sponsors to kind of keep the show rolling and and tell you about some other kind of fun stuff coming up. But uh, if you haven't pulled it out in a while, or if you've never seen it, uh, you know, go on. I think it's probably on Netflix. Uh, check out the movie Singles. Uh, Pearl Jam's in it. Um, you know, Matt Dillon, and it's 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 certainly a Hollywood version of of you know the kind of capture a you know a kind of an inspired kind of look. 
And that's what a lot of people don't realize. The reason why it was called grunge because they dressed grungy, and they did so out of necessity. I mean, Seattle was a bit of a cold place, and most people from that time were either you know, come from logging families or were loggers themselves. So, you know, to the outside world, and people decided to start turning this into a fashion statement, uh, or even trying to capitalize on, on it at, at some point. So, like I can remember, there was this big thing that, like the like the jacket that. Eddie Vedder wore the, the, the Jeremy video was suddenly being sold for hundreds of, or one like it, like hundreds of dollars, not from the band, of course, but from, you know, some, you know, trendsetter that was trying to get a piece of it. But uh, anyway, so it's a great look. It's a great thing. And this song, especially, um, uh, regardless, and this isn't, you know, this isn't in hindsight. This isn't, you know, because of what's happened. This is, you know, two weeks ago, this was still, one of the greatest songs ever. So this is Seasons from the, the movie soundtrack. And the whole soundtrack is great. But this one in particular. So check this out.
seems to take on a, a whole new meaning, a whole new effect there. Uh, so I want to get to uh, some of the some of the fans um, and invite them on here. Uh, Got to tell you a little bit about our sponsors first, uh, the ones that kind of keep this show rolling and uh, and kind of keep us rocking and kind of keep the lights on here. Uh, so again, and also for you out there that might be listening for the first time, uh, you can subscribe to the show. It's free each and every single week. If you go to, to iTunes, just type in Tricky Kid Radio or Tricky Kid Radio Podcast. It'll come right on up. Uh, just click subscribe. It'll show up in your iTunes each and every Thursday. Absolutely, totally free. So uh, throw us a, a subscribe there, and uh, we certainly appreciate it. There is, uh, for you Android users, we have not been, <laughs> not been forsaken. Uh, the podcast is available on just about every possible offering that offers pla- uh, platform that offers uh, podcasts, you know, Spotify, uh, Burberry, uh, uh, my favorite podcast. It's literally everywhere. And then you can also can go to our website at trickykid.com. That's T-R-I-C-K-Y hyphen K-I-D.com. And what's cool if you go there, no one can you stream or, or download the show for free, but there's going to be uh, a lot more pics, pictures and stuff. You're going to see pics from throughout the years of, uh, from, of Chris Cornell and Soundgarden, old silly pictures of me, uh, pictures of the fans that we're, we're talking to today, and just uh, a lot of great stuff. There's a lot more there uh, involved. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel uh, called Tricky Kid TV. Lots of great stuff on there, too. Um, and uh, lots of great video interviews, and we have a lot of fun. It's a little bit different than, than the podcast, but, uh, but, but no less fun. It's also free. You also can go ahead and, and click subscribe there. Uh, in terms of social media, go on to Facebook, type in Tricky Kid Radio Podcast, and uh, you can kind of keep up to date with what's going on with us. You also can find us on Twitter uh, by typing in Tricky Kid and the number two, and then uh, just uh, throw us a follow there or whatever, and you'll, you'll be up to date. You'll be good. Uh, a few things coming up I wanted to talk about is, uh, excuse me, is a couple, talk about Soundgarden. There's going to be a great show if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area on June 25th. The Tomcats, uh, downtown Fort Worth. There's going to be some great, great musicians all coming together. Um, my friend Adrian Ravens is going to be there uh, doing his thing, and it's going to be a great night of music. So it's going to be kind of like what we're trying to do here on the podcast, but we're going to be doing it in person. Uh, so I invite uh, you guys to join us can again that's going to be june 25th at tomcats in fort worth, downtown fort worth texas and we hope that you can join us there uh i uh, also invite you that if you do happen to be in the area or visiting whatever check out the quarter lounge arcade it's a great retro arcade it's in bedford texas between dallas and fort worth 
Uh, it is the most legitimate uh, old school retro arcade I've ever seen. It's, it's not an appropriation. It's not, you know, it's not trying to be a bar or a barcade, and all that's cool too. But this isn't trying to, to, to you know, it's not a fake fifties diner. It's the real deal. It's exactly what it, what it actually was, all the way down to dropping a quarter into the machine to the stamp you get on your hand. So check them out. They're at 1424 Brown Trail Road. It's in Bedford, Texas. And they're open every single day. And we're going to be having a lot of fun with them this summer. Um, you know, Miles, you go DJ Tricky Kid. And, uh, we'll be doing some DJ gigs there and, and hosting lots of events and just having a lot of fun uh, all summer long. Uh, speaking of also summer and my alter ego, uh, 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 DJ Tricky Kid, uh, check us out on June 26th. Is uh, I'm going to be at Doc's Comics in Frisco, Texas, along with the hip-hop artist MC Tech Force, and we're going to be doing a great benefit there for children uh, with autism. And all proceeds for that are going to be going uh, to helping those kids. So we're it's something that's very important to us and something that we're very much uh, looking forward to, uh, to being a part of and, uh, and raising as much money as we can. So also, while you're on TrickyKid.com, if you see the, uh, the little link there to office furniture to go, you know, give it a link. You might want to redo your office this, this summer. And if you buy something, they throw us a kickback and... Uh, and it keeps us rolling there. So, so thank you for that. Uh, so now I want here and just say, you say. hey folks, this is Brian O'Halloran. You might know me from such iconic classic films as Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Vulgar. Anyway, you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio. You got it. Hey, hey guys, this is Brian O'Halloran. You might know me from such classic cult hits as Clerks, Clerks Two, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Brutal Massacre, many, many more. And you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. Hi, this is Marilyn Gigliotti. Most people know me as Veronica from Clerks. It ain't 37. Uh, this, you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio. I messed that up anyway. I'll look at it post. Hi, this is Marilyn Gigliotti. Most people know me as Marilyn. They do know he's Marilyn. Hello. Hi, this is Marilyn Gigliotti. And you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. You know me as Veronica from Clerks. It ain't 37. Hey, everybody. This is actor-musician Scott Schiaffo, best known from the Kevin Smith films Clerks and Vulgar. You are listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. Perfect. I'm going to get a call on the line here. I have... Uh, we're going to we're going to speak to uh, to Shelly uh, from Roseville, Michigan. She's a a lifelong uh, fan of Chris Cornell and Soundgarden. Uh, had a great great time uh, talking with her, and she uh, was at the very last show uh, in Detroit. Um, she lives right outside of Detroit, there in Roseville, and uh, I can't wait for you guys to hear from her. Uh, we had a, we had a great talk. Uh, they're at the Fox Theater. They're in Detroit. Hey, Shelley, welcome to Tricky Kid Radio. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course, thanks for joining us this week. I know this uh, is also not entirely easy uh, for fans, so I really appreciate you coming on and, and wanting to, to speak with us and uh, 
Because, again, like I said, as we mentioned at the top of the hour there, is that, you know, we are here to, to celebrate and to honor the legacy and the life of, of Chris Cornell. And, and I just wanted to talk with some people, uh, of course, that were actually at that final show. Now, when you went to that concert, again, this wasn't your first time seeing Soundgarden. Is that correct? That's correct. So you're a lifelong fan. How many times have you seen Soundgarden? Um, I've seen Soundgarden one other time, but I actually went and uh, saw Temple of the Dog in November in San Francisco. Oh, my gosh. So you actually got to see see one of the Temple shows. Yes, it was amazing. And if you live in Roseville and you flew all the way out to San Francisco to see that, you're quite the same, <laughs> right? Yes, I am. Well, uh, so talk a little bit about that experience. I mean, like, what what was that show like? Um, that show was totally amazing. Um, he sounded awesome, and um, you know, he did tribute a lot to the different to Mother Love Bone and um, Lance Daly from Alice in Chains, and um, it, it was yeah, it was like a once in a lifetime type show to see. You know, and I, I'd heard that, and I actually, I myself had tried to make some plans. Actually, I, I wanted to see it, of course, in Seattle, and you know. Uh, yeah. where all that music comes from, and it was going to be the final show. My schedule had other plans, but, you know, what's really sad, though, too, is I was thinking about this today, is that the people that you mentioned, like Andrew Wood from Mother Love Bone, but kind of the whole reason why Temple of the Dog was started in the first place, right. you know, Lane Staley, obviously Kurt Cobain, uh, uh, you know, even though not from Seattle, but, uh, but Scott Weiland is kind of part of that. Uh, you know, from that time period of popular bands that kind of got popular. And it's just, it's so sad to me to think that, uh, you know, that Chris Cornell, Chris Cornell is now a part of that. Like now at the, at the next tribute show, they'll be talking about him alongside those people. And there's something about that that, that's very difficult to swallow, isn't it? Yes, very, very. Um, It's still, I, I think I'm still in total shock about it. So um, when, when did when did you hear because because you had you were at the show, you were still high from the show, you, you know, yeah. spirit uh and probably ready to, to talk to your friends about it the next day. So tell me about when when you heard about about what had happened to Cornell. Um I got home and I, you know, just like you said, I was kind of still uh you know, just had that energy of the show and I think I went to bed around 1 um, and my husband, knowing what a huge Soundgarden Chris Cornell fan I was, um, he woke me up at about, I want to say 5.30-ish. Um, he woke me up and he had a, his Kindle and he just said, Chris Cornell died. And, uh, you know, my first reactions were, no, that's not, I just was there. No, I mean, it, you know, you're waking up. So um, that's kind of, you know... He just kept saying, "Look, it's, it's this is the Washington Post, like it's legit." So um, it, it it definitely was it was extremely jarring to be woken up at five thirty in the morning after seeing him a few hours earlier. Well, you know, and, and I want to, and thank you for sharing that. I, I want to juxtapose that for for you because I I had something similar, but of course I didn't. I didn't just see him live in the flesh in all his glory just a few hours prior. Uh, mm-hmm. One thing, however, is is that one of the next shows, because I think that was the last show 
with that leg of the tour with uh, with the Pretty Reckless, and then they were going to start a new tour just a few days later with the Dillinger Escape Plan. And I think that Dallas, I have to confirm this, I think Dallas, where I am, is was one of the first shows, if not the first show. So we had been really looking forward uh, to seeing, uh, you know, we've been, we had tickets for, for months and really looking forward to the show. And it wasn't going to be in an arena. It was going to be kind of at a, at a, you know, more of a theater type setting, kind of like what you enjoyed. And the show yeah. was sold out. The whole town was buzzing about it. So I, very similar, my sister sent me, uh, knowing what, what, a, what a big fan that I am, sent me a text at about the same time, about 5 o'clock in the morning, and the world that we live in right now of this whole, you know, kind of fake news thing, it was almost, on one hand, kind of easy to dismiss, but mm-hmm. on the other hand, it still made me get up, you know, get up and right. confirm. And so I wanted to compare that for you as somebody that, you know, hadn't seen Soundgarden in concert or Chris Cornell in maybe in maybe two years, that had, and what my reaction was, and, and look at you, you had just seen him perform. So when you saw him perform, and I know everyone's probably asked you this, was there any any indication for, for you that something was wrong compared, or, or amiss, you know, compared to when you had just seen him in September or whenever you saw Kimball the Dog? Was there anything for you off kilter during the show? Um, Not really. I... You know, I, I I don't think he sounded as, um, you know, as good as he did when I saw him in November, but he's Chris Cornell, so um, I've kind of, you know, kind of chalked it up to basically, like, he could sing in a styrofoam cup, and I would think it was amazing, <laughs> so I, right, I right. Uh, you know, it, he was more engaged with the crowd than I've, you know, seen him in past shows, um, you know, and... But, you know, at the end of it, I still walked away going, oh, my, it was amazing. And I felt like they played for a long time. I really didn't. Um, there wasn't really anything that made, you know, that you would never think anything that happened happened. Um, for sure. I know that, you know, at one point he, it seemed like there was a box or there was some kind of box and uh, that was attached to the back of his pants. And I don't know if that's, you know, when they're singing, if that's something that's hooked to their ear. But he was messing with that. He kept hitting that, and then he left the stage um, right. for a short time. And I remember saying to the, my friend who I was with, like, where did Chris go? He was kind of gone for a little bit. Um, that was really kind of odd. That was the only really odd thing that I, you know, I've never seen him, like, really walk off stage. Right. That and sounds it, like you know, that could be kind of a typical glitch, because that, that box is supposed to be there. What For a guy that seems as high as yeah. he does, he has to wear inner ear uh, on stage monitor ears, and that's yeah. how he how he hears himself. And it was also probably his guitar pack as well, so he could walk around wirelessly. Yeah. So did it, so, but, so but did it did it seem, other than just a typical stage glitch, did he, did he seem out of it or out of sorts or anything by comparison for you? No, no, I don't, you know, I, I know that I've read some things. I didn't feel that way seeing the show. Um, I felt like sometimes, like, he, you know, I feel like he tried to change it up a little bit where, um, you know, some of the songs he sang a little bit slower than than you're used to hearing it. But I right. didn't take it like, oh, he's not with it. Or I didn't ever get the feeling when I was watching the show that, like, oh, this is like he's not singing 
you know, like as well as he usually does or the show isn't, um, you know, up to par to a normal show. I never, I never really, I didn't feel that way. And, and so now you, uh, did your husband go with you to the show? Because when, when he woke he, you up. He did like, not actually. Okay. He, he didn't. I, um, it was kind of bizarre how it happened. I, you know, brought up to my husband that, hey, Soundgarden's going to be in Detroit and I have to go. Um, and it just worked out that uh, a friend that has a mutual love for them um, texted me on Monday. And the show was Wednesday. Um, and this friend said, you still want to see Soundgarden? And I'm like, absolutely. Um, and they were able to get tickets. And so it was that fast that we went. So um, it was a very awesome stroke of luck that I was able to even go. Very, very last minute. Okay, so 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 this was this was something really really spontaneous and kind of cool in, in, yeah. and and kind of had it added a, a bit of a specialness to it. Right. Well, you know, uh, but you know, a lot of people, like I said, you know, this this episode is about you know it's for the fans by the fans. Again, this isn't TMZ. We're not trying to pontificate. You and I both don't have any sort of inside track, and we're not really trying to. Uh, you know, we're not, you know, like, I, I don't know th- those guys, neither do you. And so yeah. instead of pontificating about what, what could have happened to him and everything else, but we, at the same time, we still obviously have questions. That's right. And, and you know, and I, I don't like it when people try to apply and just kind of look for things. Like, for example, like, from what I understand, the last show, the last song of the show was a cover of Led Zeppelin's In My Time of Dying, which, of course, in yeah. hindsight, is pretty morbid. But they have a history of covering Led Zeppelin songs and are highly influenced by that. So I don't I don't see that as some kind of, you know, foreshadowing or anything. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, totally. Like when they, um, he like inserted it when they did the very last song, Slaves and Bulldozers. And, you know, when I was at the Temple of the Dog Show, they did a Led Zeppelin song. So um, it just seemed like it was part of it. I didn't think anything about it. And and there is – I know that they've covered a few – when I saw him solo uh, uh, about 10 years ago, I remember he he did something like that. And, uh, you know, the Heart Sisters are also from Seattle, have a a thing, a side project called the Lovemongers where they primarily do Led Zeppelin covers, and he's performed with mm-hmm. them. And so I, I, I don't pick that out. But the one thing that I, that I did want to ask you, and, and again, and, and is based upon what you've heard, uh, just like you've heard the exact same thing that I've heard, you and I have no inside track, um, right. is – but one thing that I haven't heard people, and again, and again, I, I want to really stray away from the, you know, this kind of pontificating what could have happened. I, I, my, but my instincts tell me something different than what I'm, I'm hearing. You know, someone who is yeah. slurring their words, who can barely finish a phone call, probably isn't in some hypermanic state that would lead to suicide. So that, that's right. kind of a kind of a weird thing for me. If someone is heavily medicated, and again, I don't want this to sound humorous or whatever, but I one thing that I haven't heard at all is is that do you do you know what happened to Michael Hutchins and and David Carradine? Do you know yeah. how? Okay. Yeah. So again, like I said, I'm not. I don't want to pontificate or whatever. But you know how like how when your instincts kind of just kind of kick in yeah. and. You, have that knee-jerk thing. 
the first thing I thought of was autoerotic asphyxiation. That's the first thing that yeah. I thought of. And not suicide, but that. And only because of, of, of stuff I've heard in the past and how he was found and things like that. This didn't really seem like somebody that was ready to go, did it? Do you? No. No. And and what you know, what I've heard here in Detroit is that when he left that concert, he went out the front of the Fox Theater, and it's right on a main street, and that he told the fans he loved them and took pictures with them and said, you know, I'll see you in Columbus, um, you know. And the end of the, sh- the concert, he said, you know, Detroit, we'll see you soon. Um, you know, he just, it, yeah, it just didn't add up to someone that that would commit suicide right after the concert. For sure, and then you know he had he had tweeted earlier that day how happy and excited he was to be in Detroit. Okay, yeah. he had just flown out to see his family uh, to celebrate Mother's Day. They were planning on a vacation. I mean, you, all this of his public knowledge now again, you know. So, but but at the same time, like I said, I'm not a genius, so I I can't be the only one that is thinking that well maybe because of the anxiety. He was trying to I don't I don't know. I mean again I don't want to pontificate, but you know, some kind yeah. of relief of some sort or 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 you know, or it, it, regardless even if it wasn't that, this feels more like an act. This doesn't feel deliberate and I just I just I, I would like to hear somebody else kind of represent or, or share uh, you know, that opinion so that we can at least, you know, kind of I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter at the end. It's not going to bring Cornell back, but I just right. for closure for his for his family and of course his children. I, I hope my hope is that <clears throat> some kind of answers are are given to them either privately or publicly. Well, wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I kind of feel this just for even you know the fans as much as um, you know it's it's really more than any other celebrity for me. I mean, I was, you know, 20 years old at the height of um, of the whole alternative music scene. So I feel like, you know, most of my life I've, I've loved Soundgarden and Chris Cornell and just admired him and, you know, everything that he's been able to accomplish. So, you know, it's it's such a shock for, I think, for everyone. And, and it would be nice. I don't know if we'll ever really know for sure, but... Right, right. It definitely, I think, would bring some closure to the whole situation. What is this, since there, it's a focus on, since it took place in Detroit, what's what's it like in Detroit right now, like in, in, in this capacity? Is there, is there, you know what I'm saying? Like, is there a vibe yeah. there that, talk about that just for a second, if you don't mind. Um. Well, I know that, you know, the day after, uh, we have uh, some alternative radio stations and, uh, they, we, had, we had people calling in, and so I think we were kind of getting some inside information before the rest of the nation kind of was. Um, I know the a medic called in and said that, you know, his friend was a medic in Detroit also and that he went to the scene and he was kind of talking about, you know, what what his friend had witnessed. So that was, um, you know, some some information that, was a little bit before uh, the actual rest of the nation was hearing about things. So I know the vibe in Detroit has been, you know, they've had tributes and, and meetings and stuff outside of the Fox Theater, and it's just very somber and, um, you know, sad. 
For sure, for sure. And you know, and and Shelly, I thank you so much for for coming on today and, and and sharing this with us. And and again, for all the people in Detroit, you know, I have a lot of affection for your city and been there many times uh on tour with different bands myself and and in, in other different capacities and um and you know it's just it's just kind of one of those one of those those sad things that it kind of it's it's kind of coupled with it you know like right. you know Detroit can now add being known where Chris Cornell died uh, to yeah. thing and so I yeah I feel for you guys and for all the Soundgarden fans and all the Chris Cornell fans as well and I <clears throat> again share uh you know the loss with you guys and so i hope that this show and the music that we're, that we're playing and the stories that we're telling will bring uh some happiness and <clears throat> and a little bit of peace at, at least until we can find out more you know yeah so again shelly from uh from from, from roseville michigan uh joining us um and shelly again i thank you so much oh thanks for having me i appreciate it of course and keep rocking and uh and we'll definitely we'll uh, Again, I want to thank Shelly Bastion from Roseville, uh, Michigan, for sharing your story with us and coming on to the show. Um, awesome, awesome, awesome. Thanks again, Shelly. I really appreciate that. You know, as I mentioned earlier at the top of the show, uh, the Soundgarden were uh, on their way to Dallas. Uh, so we were really looking forward to seeing them. At that last night there in Detroit, there was one part I wanted, I wanted to talk about there was uh, the opening act uh, was the band Pretty Reckless that's front of Bond. Uh, former actress Taylor Momsen, and anybody that has listened to this show or watched, uh, I mean, you know, my website or, or anything that we've talked about here knows that we're huge fans of hers and have been and been kind of following her since pretty much the beginning of the band. And so because of that, we, we are very well aware of what a huge fan of Chris Cornell and Soundgarden that she is. One of the first times that I saw, I actually I think probably maybe was the first time, I was on tour with uh, another band, and we were at the House of Blues in Dallas, and, we were, uh, and they were playing uh, upstairs in, uh, in a smaller room called the Cambridge Room. And so anyway, uh, I went in there to kind of, you know, kind of poke my head in and kind of see what was up, and I couldn't believe how unbelievably awesome this band was and how she was just ripping, man. She kind of reminded me of, like, this, like, Cherie Curry... Uh, it was very rock and roll. It was very awesome. And uh, and even that night, she um, and the band, and this is a very, very early version of the band, they performed the song, uh, The Audio Slave, of course, the band, uh, after Soundgarden, Chris Cornell was in, uh, the song Like a Stone, even that night. And so I, I've, I've known for a very long time what a, what a huge uh, fan of Soundgarden, Chris Cornell in particular, that, 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 that she is. So that's why I was so happy and so proud uh, that I knew that a big goal of hers uh, was to get to perform uh, with Soundgarden and even to go on tour. So for her to realize that dream and be on tour, and I think Detroit might have been the, that was going to be the last night uh, of the tour because I knew that the opening act for Dallas was going to be Dillinger Escape Plan. So, uh, man, I couldn't imagine anybody. Uh, you know, being on tour with their hero and their hero dying. So imagine, you know, how we're feeling. Could you imagine how she feels uh, as well? Because um, I'm sure that I don't know if she got to know him over the time, and but certainly enough to to have the respect uh, of his, his, his tour mate. So she did something pretty cool. Like I said, she had performed the song "Like a Stone." Uh, it was 
staple of their um, or a staple of their early shows. So since then, they've done a couple of festival appearances, um, and I think it was a day later they did um, <clears throat> Rock of the Range, which was in, in Columbus, Ohio, and she does a very very pained uh, uh, version. It's a very it's a very somber, very acoustic type kind of version of it, and. Um, the Pretty Reckless are actually going to be playing this Sunday in Dallas as part of uh, local radio station 97.1 The Eagles annual festival called BFD. And they'll be there. A lot of, lots of other great bands. Uh, Fozzie with Chris Jericho is going to be there. And so I'm sure, no doubt, she will uh, be performing this song as well. But I wanted to go ahead and play it for you now is to show my respect to Taylor uh, uh, Momsen, The Pretty Reckless. So this is her performing Like a Stone uh, from Rock of the Range just last week there in Columbus, Ohio.
to sing terror uh, at the prerequisite this Sunday uh, in Dallas, Texas. Uh, so as one, um, you know, person paying tribute to another, uh, after Prince had died, uh, and again, any listener of this show or anybody who knows me personally knows that, that that's probably my, all, my all-time favorite, um, that Chris Cornell actually did a recording of one of Prince's songs. It was, I really don't know the circumstances behind it or how it came to be other than just uh, in tribute to Prince, of course was he was at the Sirius XM uh, studio. Don't know what date, don't know what city. And he did a set down and picked up a acoustic guitar and did Prince's Nothing Compares to You, which of course, if you remember, was covered in, in, uh, by uh, Shane O'Connor and was a hit back in the, in the early 1990s. This is unbelievable just to know this man's voice, the instrument that it is. He can just sit down and and this happens. And so, in the honor of Taylor paying tribute to him, I, uh, to Chris Cornell, I wanted to kind of link that together because, you know, we're still mourning Prince as well. And now with these two together, it's, uh, it's at times unbearable. So, but this is gorgeous. This is amazing. And I'd like for you guys to hear if you haven't already. So this is, uh, again, Chris Cornell, uh, not Soundgarden, just, just Chris Cornell covering Prince's Nothing Compares to You. And then after that, then we're going to get uh, another caller on the line and speak uh, with uh, with another fan, okay? Put my 
house that you planted, mama In your backyard All died when you went away And I know living with me, baby Is sometimes hard But I'm willing to give it another try This is uh, this is Catherine Garrick. She's from Kansas City, Missouri, and uh, she's also a lifelong uh, Soundgarden and, and Chris Cornell fan. And we're uh, grateful to have her on the show this week. Catherine, welcome to Tricky Kid Radio. Thank you. How are you so, doing? Good, good. How 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 are you doing? Uh, is is the question after all that's happened? Well, I'm I'm doing okay. I was really kind of shocked. When I when I heard it the next day after the show in Kansas City, never you found out. Uh, like I mean, when you heard the news about what happened to Chris Cornell, where were you? I was at home and I just happened to um, get on Twitter and actually, and it said what happened, and I just you know kind of burst into tears. And... For which show? But you were at the Kansas City show the night before. Right, because I rec- where I was born and I have a family up there, so I had ties up there too. Right. And um, so when I heard that it was announced, you know, back-to-back, Kansas City and Detroit, I was like, oh, cool. You know, it kind of felt personal to me. For sure. Now, did you have plans to go up to Detroit to go to the show? Um, I wanted to, yeah, I did. Give me a chance to see my family and also go to that see him in Detroit too. But then I did end up in Denver after he, you know, after it happened. Um, just just to go and I got a picture of the of the Fillmore Auditorium in Denver, and they had a sign that said "R.I.P. Chris Cornell." Intimate venue, a small, you know, outdoor venue. And I was six rows back. Um, I bought my ticket that night, and I was really surprised to be able to get such a good seat. It's amazing. Now, what what yeah. made you, what made you travel to to Denver? Saw the show in Kansas City, and did you have you seen any of the footage from the Detroit show? Yeah, I've seen. I saw the whole the whole show. Now, on YouTube. In, in your mind, how does it compare? He was completely different, totally different. Uh, different Even how, the though? pictures of Kansas City, he was just stayed pretty much in one place most of the time and played and sung his heart out. So, I mean, but you don't you don't actually believe that, like, when he took stage that night in Detroit, that, that he knew it was going to be his last show. You don't believe that, do you? No. However, yeah, talk, talk, about, talk about 
your history with with the band and the music? I mean, like, how how many times have you seen Soundgarden? You know, that's funny you asked me that because that was my first time seeing them in concert. And that was the first time you'd ever had seen Chris Cornell because you know he of course has been a bunch of different other different outfits. Was that your your only your only one in person experience with Cornell? Actually, no. I actually met him in person a long time ago, like back in ninety. What what what's your favorite song that Chris that from from Chris Cornell? When you you know when you're in the mood to listen to his voice, what is usually the the song or the or whatever piece of work of his that he's done that does it for you? Um, it was with Audio Slave, actually. Is that okay to say? <laughs> if we say whatever you like. We're yeah. talking about well, yeah, we're talking about Chris. I'm, you know, I'm not right. trying to disrespect or leave right. out Soundgarden. Well, right. No, no, it's not about Soundgarden. But, it's about, about Cornell, right? Yeah. So, like a stone, and that was my favorite. And I just started crying, and I've been in this somber mood ever since. And like the is, is that you know at least even for one person, yourself included, and and I thank you so much for joining us this week and sharing your story and sharing your experience and sharing your insight. The world. Thank me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks again uh, to Catherine Garrett there from Kansas City, Missouri, for joining us this week and sharing her story. And also uh, again, thanks so much to uh, to Shelly Bashan. And everybody that uh, that participated this week, uh, so then we're all trying to unite and kind of heal together. And before uh, we wrap, I did want to say a couple more things uh, about my own personal experience. I can remember, like I said, after seeing those first couple of shows and seeing a couple of the uh, the Lollapaloozas. Uh, if you remember, in in '96, the year actually that uh, kind of an odd twist that Metallica was headlining, Lollapalooza, Soundgarden was on the bill. And that was one of the last times uh, that I that I saw them, and one of the things the last time they played before they had broken up originally due to some problems that Cornell was having before. Um, I think he was struggling with, you know, with addiction and a few other different things, and so I didn't see them again. I did see him. He did a solo tour. He released a uh, a few solo records, Euphoria Morning, and then he did one called Scream. I think that's the one he did with Timbaland. That was really Kind of, kind of a kind of bit of a challenge there. He did a, a cover of my, uh, Michael Jackson's Billie Jean, which I thought was great. But I got to be honest, I wasn't I wasn't over the moon. Uh, but I did think it was cool that he was trying something something different. But I saw that solo tour, and it was just so crazy. And that was really the first time I was really aware of just how just rabid the fan base was. He did this, this great show that's spanned his entire career with all his projects from Soundgarden to, to Audio Slave, who had broken up at that, by that time and all that. But I didn't see him again uh, until uh, 2000, I want to say 10, it was, was or 11 actually, after Soundgarden finally had gotten back together. And I was living up in, uh, in Brooklyn and Soundgarden had come to New Jersey to what they call the Rock, the, uh, the Prudential Center there. And they, it was like the next day, man. It was like not one thing had had changed. It was so good and so powerful and so awesome. One of the one of the, probably the best rock show I saw that year. And the last time that I saw Soundgarden was about I think like four or five years after that. They actually had come to South by Southwest in Austin, and uh, there's 
before you venue down there called Austin City Limits Live. Not the big festival, but this really state-of-the-art facility there. And they did a couple of shows, actually, down there. And, <clears throat> and what was uh, really cool is, you know, he was, of course, an audio slave with Brad Wilk. And uh, Brad Wilk was also in town, uh, did with his own band called The Last International, which I had no knowledge of. I just happened to walk into Stubbs, which is a famous barbecue joint here in Austin, and just kind of happened to see Brad Wilk. And I was wearing um, a Van Halen uh, uh, hoodie. And to know me, so I know my little Van Halen, and I didn't realize what a big fan Brad Wilk was. Anyway, long story, we got into this big thing and uh, over, over Van Halen. Not when I said got into a big thing, it was a very friendly, awesome, kind of geeky nerd out about Van Halen. And yeah, Brad Wilk uh, was married uh, to Celine Vigil, uh, Vigil sorry, from Seven Year Bitch, one of my all time favorite bands. And uh, she actually happened to also be there. So I ended up um, at some point uh, seeing Soundgarden uh, uh, at Austin City Limits um, after meeting up, after meeting Brad and Celine, and they were there. And it was just a great, great time, a great night. And uh, if you're ever in Austin, you got to check out that venue. And so it was just such a special, uh, amazing thing just to be able to see them and, 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 and see the camaraderie. And the point of the story is, is the impact that, that, that Cornell seemed to have on, on people around him. And even though Brad Wolk was his bandmate in a, in a very successful band in his own right, uh, you could just kind of feel uh, this, a, great, a great brotherhood there. So that's kind of my lasting memory. Um, and again, I was looking forward to many more memories, like I'm sure all of you all as well. And, and again, like I said, Soundgarden was actually supposed to be here tomorrow night uh, in Dallas, Texas. So uh, with that in mind, again, I want to thank all of our guests. I want to thank all of our sponsors. Once again, you can find us on, uh, on iTunes by typing in Tricky Kid Radio Podcast. And uh, just click subscribe there. You can find us on Twitter at Tricky Kid and the number two. And find us on Facebook the same way the Tricky Kid Radio Podcast. And so what I'm going to leave you with um, is, again, probably one of my favorite Cornell performances, a song that's meant so much to me um, and really provides such a, a spotlight in a, in, a, in, a, in a perfect, it frames a very specific time for me, is right before the explosion of, of their album, Super Unknown, before Alice in Chains um, uh, came out with Dirt. They kind of tied people over um, for the summer of 92 before Dirt was released. They actually released this uh, a four-song acoustic EP called Sap. And there's this great, great song called uh, Right Turn. And it features, to this day, I don't know if there's a better... Ensemble of, of male singers all together. Uh, fans of Alice in Chains know, of course, that Lane Staley and Jerry Cantrell kind of trade off and have the, the perfect uh, in sync voices. And then you get Chris Cornell, uh, and then also followed by uh, Mark Arm of Mudhoney. And that's what's so great also about Cornell was such a great collaborator. You know, unlike uh, uh, Prince, uh, you would think that a voice like his would really be its own lane, and it was just so amazing to see it, what a great collaborator he was and everything he did from Kimball to Dom to Audi 
a slave and even things like this. So this is a song called Right Turn uh, from the Alice in Chains EP, Sab, if you don't have it or whatever, seek it out and get it. And again, rest in peace to Chris Cornell and to all the, the, the Cornell and Soundgarden and Audio Slave and everything in between fans that are listening out there and to uh, the great people of Detroit, uh, a city that I have a lot of affection for. Uh, I feel for you. Trey, big, big skin. 